to you this morning and grateful for the presence of each one. Glad that you were able to be here, that you chose to be here, that, that you have the health to be here, the, as was mentioned, the, the freedom that we have to be here. And uh, appreciate the opportunity that's been given to me uh, to share with you from my study of God's Word and appreciate the assignments um, that made me dig into to God's Word and look into God's Word in a way that was very humbling as my uh, topics uh, for the day are uh, uh, beginning this morning, making wise family decisions, and then, Lord willing, this afternoon, excellence in parenting. And I looked at those two topics and I thought, boy, that's, uh, um, I don't have much confidence in myself to be uh, talking on either one of the subjects. Um, so as I put the studies together, uh, I do have confidence in God's Word, that He has the answers uh, for these these topics, and I believe we can find those. And I believe, however, uh, whatever inability I may have to to present those things, that we do have some thoughts from God's word this morning that'll be very beneficial in us growing and in this this process and making these decisions and and striving for excellence in these uh, very important areas. Proverbs chapter four, verse number seven says, "Wisdom is the principal thing." Therefore, get wisdom, and in all you're getting, get understanding. And so when we talk this morning about making wise family decisions, <clears throat> we, we notice first the importance of wisdom. Making choices is difficult. Y'all are in the middle of a building project, as am I at home. I'm trying to build a little uh, building in my backyard, just a little study area for myself and uh, I have very difficult time making decisions and, and trying to decide. I, I'll, I'll get somebody to a plumber to come in and, and he'll tell me, "Well, it's this much to do this this job here." And I think, "Boy, that's a lot of money for that that little job right there." But I have to make a decision. I'll weigh that out. Is that is that worth it? Should I try doing it myself? What about all the things that would happen if I don't get it right? And then, of course, I have codes and inspections and all these things that I'm going to have to uh, pass, and I don't really know what I'm doing. So. Maybe it's worth it, and I have to, to balance those out and make those choices and decisions. And that's, that's something that's difficult. <clears throat> As I've studied wisdom over the years, I keep getting pointed back to a passage in Proverbs chapter 2 that I want to draw your attention to this morning. I realize that's fairly small. If you can't see that, we'll grab a Bible and turn to Proverbs chapter 2. I believe here in this passage, <clears throat> we're giving uh, several what I would call components of wisdom. I think when we understand these components of wisdom, we can come steps closer to being able to apply wisdom and apply our hearts to wisdom and make wise choices. <clears throat> I've got to trust the sound guy this morning. I have My ears are stopped up and it sounds like I'm echoing and, and ringing and I hope that's just in my head. <laughs> but I apologize if, I, if I'm hollering or something. I uh, understand I'm battling a little bit of allergies. But in Proverbs chapter 2, and the writer says, My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thy ear unto wisdom and apply thy heart to understanding, yea, if thou criest after knowledge and lifteth up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as for hid treasures, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord giveth wisdom, out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. He layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. He's a buckler, or we might say a shield, to them that walk uprightly. 
He keepeth the paths of judgment and preserveth the way of his saints. Then shalt thou understand righteousness and judgment and equity, yea, every good path. And as you look at that passage, there are several elements or items that are listed over and over again. And I uh, put an underline uh, under those, if you can see them. We have this idea of knowledge, understanding, and then <clears throat> where the rubber meets the road, if you will, that's right here at the end, understanding every good path. And I, I, I'm going to label that application this morning of how we take the things that we know, the things that God teaches us, that we begin to understand those and the significance of those things, and we apply those in decision-making. <clears throat> of course, this is uh, important in every area of life, but particularly when our choices and our decisions will affect so much more than just ourselves, when we have a family that, that we're trying to lead and children that we're trying to raise and all of the things, that the, the family uh, of God that we're blessed to be a part of and our impact that we'll have on each other when we make these choices and decisions. So every choice, whether we may label it a very large choice or a very small choice, is essentially a path. It's a fork in the road. And we have a decision to make, we have a choice to make, and we have to be able to determine which one, if there's only two, if we oversimplify the illustration, which is the good path. And that's what we want to be able to come to an understanding, a knowledge of God's Word where we can better be able to do that and recognize those good paths as we go through life. <clears throat> I'm using an illustration that was taught to me as a very young man. My dad uh, was a mechanic. Uh, by trade, and he was a volunteer fireman uh, in his, I guess you might say, the, his spare time. And so very early on, he taught me about the fire triangle. And he taught me that in order to have fire, you had to have these three components of fire, which are fuel, heat, and oxygen. And you've probably seen the, the science experiment where maybe the teacher would light a candle and then place a glass jar over that candle, and slowly that flame would, would die out. And you would learn that in order to have a fire, you have to have that oxygen. And once all of that oxygen within that, that glass jar was consumed, you didn't have a fire anymore. Firemen study this to uh, fight fire because there's different ways that you can put a fire out. You've heard of the phrase fighting fire with fire, and that's where they might use some sort of explosive to go in and uh, consume all of that oxygen. And they're able to extinguish that flame. They may get out in front of a forest fire and cut down trees to create a gap in the fuel. And hopefully that fire would reach that gap and it would, it would go out. Maybe they combat the heat with water by dumping water onto those flames. Whatever the case might be, if they take away one of those components, then you won't have fire anymore. And I believe that to be the case with wisdom. When we study wisdom from God's Word, we have these concepts of knowledge, understanding, and application. And when we take one of those things away, we don't really have wisdom in its entirety anymore. <clears throat> Case in point, last night at uh, Paradise, Texas, we had a fall festival. And my wife put a great deal of work into that. She was gone most of the day. And I, I showed up with the kids around 5 o'clock. And I had been busy around the house. Hadn't eaten most of the day. And as we were cleaning up the, the, the school before we left, it was getting close to 1030 I uh, I was starving, and there were some scraps left over of the concession stand material. And so, in my lack of wisdom, I decided to make myself a giant bowl of concession stand nachos with that 
that cheese and that chili you get at a concession stand and cover it up with jalapenos. And I know I get heartburned frequently. <laughs> and so I'm piling all this on, and I know this is a poor decision <laughs> as I just rapidly consumed that for my, my dinner. And I suffered for that through the, through the night. And I knew I was going to. See, when you know what to do, when you understand What's going to happen when you make a choice and you know those things are not what your desired outcome is and you do it anyway, that's just foolish. But we do that, don't we? We make foolish choices and decisions when we know this isn't the right thing to do. This isn't the best choice to make. And I think when we uh, actually make the right choice without knowledge and understanding, hey, that's called luck, not wisdom, right? Right? This idea that every once in a while you, you, if you're going to have to get it right occasionally. And so uh, luck is, is something that happens to people, and some people might be luckier than others. But eventually, to have wisdom, we're going to need to have these elements and these components of wisdom. <clears throat> wisdom is about making the best choice. Some people go through life, and their approach to life is, what can I get by with? What can I get away with? I know this because that's been my, that was my approach to life for probably being 36 now that probably the better part of my life that's kind of been my, was my approach to life was, can I get away with this? You know, when that came to school, what's the minimum amount of studying that I can do to get by? What's the least work that I can do to make my parents happy, et cetera? And then as I, as you go into the workforce, and you learn, you, you'll be surrounded with people that say, hey, take it easy. You're making us look bad. <laughs> Pull back a little bit. You don't, you don't have to work so hard. And so you, you're surrounded by a world that says, just do what you have to do to get by. Is that the best choice? Is that the best decision? You know, a lot of people buy a car or a house that way. They'll sit down with some finance guy at the car dealership or at a bank and they'll figure out what they can afford. What's the maximum amount that I can afford to pay out every month? And that's how they decide to buy a house or a car. Is that the best way to go about trying to decide to buy something? What you can get away with? What you think that you can get by with? That's what wisdom is about. It's about making the best choice. It's about approaching life and each choice and each decision that we make and saying, what's the best path that we can take in this instance? Not just what can I get by with. Not is it okay for me to do this. What's the best choice? What's the best decision? Real, decision realizing this impacts not only myself, my family, my brothers and sisters in Christ, the reputation of the church, and the opportunities that we might have to evangelize, and so on and so forth. That's part of the knowledge and understanding that we need to come to is that we're connected like that. And our choices and decisions have an effect on, on every one of us. Bible steps for wise decisions. I don't want to uh, present as if this were an exhaustive list this morning. I really struggled with organization and trying to determine what, what are we going to talk about and not. And so we come up with this list. It's going to be our, our outline as we strive to make wise decisions as families. We're going to study, pray, seek counsel, have clearly defined goals, work together. We're going to work hard and consistently evaluate our progress. And so as we jump into this, uh, I want to start with this idea of study. We need to study to gain these, these elements of knowledge and understanding 
to the book of Proverbs 16, verse number 16. How much better is it to get wisdom than gold and to get understanding rather to be chosen than silver? And here is this concept and uh, we had the illustration of the balances or the scales. And as you go through the books of wisdom, uh, the, the writings of the wise man Solomon, you see that he weighs things out in the balances. It's easy to say 10 is greater than 5. But as you go through real life and you look at choices and decisions, how do you know which one's better? That's some of the many things that Proverbs teaches us is how to weigh these things out in the balances. And what we're taught here is that wisdom is better than gold. It's understanding is rather to be chosen than silver. And so the idea of wealth or uh, financial gain ought to pale in comparison to the importance of wisdom. In Proverbs 8, verse number 11, For wisdom is better than rubies, and all the things that may be desired are not to be compared to it. You know, that's a pretty sweeping statement. Anything that you might desire, that you might look at, that you might say, I really want that, doesn't even compare to wisdom. And it's important that we make wisdom a pursuit Something that we're striving after. I want to be wise. Do you want to be wise? I found it to be far from me. But that's a desire that I have. That's a desire that we need to have as Christians. Proverbs 16.32 He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh a city. I think of my youth again and all of the time that I've spent through my life exercising the body. All of the hours that I spend in weight rooms, running, all of those things. Because in my mind, that physical might, that strength, that was, that was toward the top of the list. That was what, that's what I needed to have. That's what I needed to pursue. And what if I had the knowledge? What if I had the understanding that learning self-control was important. If I had spent all of those hours developing self-control, temperance, ruling over my spirit, and knowing that that's better. See, God's Word teaches us that. It's, it's that simple. The sooner we learn that, the sooner we can begin to, to lay hold on wisdom. Proverbs 19 and 22, The desire of a man is his kindness, and a poor man is better than a liar. You know, we have choices and decisions to make as we go through life, and a lot of that has to do with our associations and who we're going to spend time with. And I just picked out a random passage here that teaches us one principle, one bit of knowledge that can help us understand choices and decisions such as who we're going to spend our time with and who we're going to associate with. How do you choose your friends? What do you look for? You know, someone might look at an individual that's very poor and, and go, well, what, what kind of friend would that be? What does he have to offer? And this points out to us that a poor man's better than a liar. Well, that seems fairly obvious, fairly elementary. But when you make your association, what kind of judgment, what kind of system of value do you use to determine who you're going to associate with? And that's what uh, God's Word provides for us, is learning how to assess value. Learning how to properly appraise 
things and understand what's really valuable and what's really worthless. And so if we're going to make wise decisions, we need to educate ourselves from God's Word that we understand the things that have true value and the things that really, in essence, at the end of the day are worthless and have no value at all. In Proverbs 27, verse number 5, open rebuke is better than secret love. And so we see this open rebuke, and it's greater than, it's better than secret love. And so we have choices as we go through life. And we'll talk with each other and we'll say, well, I feel like I should say something. Maybe I should have said something. Well, maybe the loving thing to do was not to say anything at all. And we find in God's Word guidance, knowledge, understanding that will help us make those decisions and choices. And if we'll arm ourselves with those things before time, when it comes time to make that choice or decision, we'll be prepared to take the good path. We'll be prepared to make the best choice, the most profitable choice for all that are involved as we seek to make wise choices and decisions for our family. In Psalm 36, 7, rather, in verse 16, a little that a righteous man hath is better than the riches of many wicked. You know, that's very opposite of the way the world thinks, isn't it? That having just a little bit is better than having a whole bunch of stuff. And what's the the modifier there? It's the righteous versus the wicked. The righteous has just a little that's better than a whole bunch of stuff. The ungodly. What do you value? How do you appraise things? As you're making those financial decisions as a family, do you look around and say, well, all the neighbors have this. All of my friends drive vehicles like this. They live in houses like this. They wear clothes like this. What's your system of value for making all of those choices and decisions? Proverbs 22, verse number 1, A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches, and loving favor rather than silver and gold. And note, notice these things over and over again. It's compared to things that we would call things of great value. Silver, gold, rubies, riches. Because financial pursuit is the common goal of, of humanity for the large part. Your reputation ought to rank higher in value than money. And how many people will hurt their character, hurt their reputation for a few dollars? Something so simple, something so commonplace. I was at the lumberyard and ordered a certain number of stakes to stake up some concrete forms. And the guy throws some in the back of my pickup and count them out and there's, there's more than I pay for. And he goes, well, just, just take them. You know, he's trying to be friendly, you know. Do me a favor. But you know what? Those aren't his. And I didn't pay for them. And the world looks at that, all of that type of stuff all the time and sees that as, as things that are okay. What's more important? Our name, our reputation, character, integrity, or a few dollars? We make those choices and decisions on a daily basis where we'll compromise that reputation for a tiny little drop of gain.
What do we value as we make these choices and decisions? Second on our list was that we spend time in prayer. That we ask for God's help as we strive to make wise choices and decisions. And is that something that's a part of your life, a part of your process as you make choices and decisions? It's important that we examine our lives and come to this uh, point in decision making that we ask for God's help. In Proverbs chapter 2, verse number 3, he says, Yea, if thou criest after knowledge and lifteth up thy voice for understanding. So when we think about the pursuit of knowledge and understanding, these two things are very closely related. Proverbs says that both of these things come from the mouth of God. And so we can gain both knowledge and understanding by a study of God's Word. But there's also this concept of asking for and praying for we study. So what's the difference between knowledge and understanding? It's one thing to know. It's another thing to understand. I would invite you to turn to Ecclesiastes 7 and verse number 2. This is another writing of Solomon in Ecclesiastes 7, verse number 2. Don't have it up on the screen. But he says it's better to go to the house of mourning than the house of feasting. For this is the end of all men, and the wise will lay it to heart. That's where we have knowledge and understanding grouped in one passage there, because he tells us it's better to go to the house of mourning than the house of feasting. So that's knowledge. Okay, one thing's better than the other. Why? Because it reminds us of something. It teaches us something. It points us to the reality that we're all going to die. We're all going to come to a point where the only thing that matters at all is whether or not we're right with God. Whether or not we're going to dwell with Him for eternity or whether we're going to be turned away into outer darkness. That's why. So the knowledge comes with the understanding. Why is it better? Because it helps condition our heart. It helps get our hearts in the right place. It helps us have a sense of perspective. It helps us calibrate the scales, if you will. Because when you use scales, they get out of calibration and you've got to zero them out. And so as we have a choice or a decision that's before us, are we going to seek understanding, not only from God's Word, but that we ask Him to help us understand these teachings in His Word so that we may be able to apply them. James chapter 1, verse number 5. James says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and it braideth not, and it shall be given unto him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is as a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So we're to pray for wisdom. I read that, if any man lack wisdom, and I wonder who that passage doesn't apply to. Is asking for wisdom a regular part of your life, of choices and decision-making that you have? It's an important thing to do, that we cry out 
for understanding of the things that God teaches us so that we might be able to apply them. We might be able to make that good choice. You need to search for wise counsel as we make choices and decisions. This is a concept taught many times in the Scripture. In Proverbs 11, verse number 14, he says, Where no counsel is, the people fall, but in the multitude of counselors there is safety. And so we are directed to seek out counsel in choice and decision-making. Proverbs 24, verse number 6, For by wise counsel thou shalt make thy war, and in the multitude of counselors there is safety. And so we can seek advice and look for guidance. The question becomes, where are you going to seek that advice? Who are you going to go to for that guidance? In Proverbs 16, verse number 21, it says, The wise in heart shall be called prudent, and the sweetness of his lips increaseth learning. Understanding is a wellspring of life unto him that hath it, but the instruction of fools is folly. Understand that there's all kinds of advice and counsel in the world. Where are you going to go for it? Because the instruction of fools is folly. And there's plenty of fools that are ready to offer you advice. Do you seek someone who's called prudent? See, this is about reputation. That good name that's rather to be chosen. Is this someone who's considered to be wise? Who's Someone who's successful in the area in question, we might say. Or are we going to shop around for the advice that we want to hear? So that we can just get that kind of pat on the back to persuade us that we sought counsel to make the choice or decision that we already wanted to make. And if we're honest with ourselves, we probably realize that we do that sometimes, don't we? Are we seeking those who have a good reputation, that have shown wisdom in their life? <clears throat> Making your mission known, having goals, having clearly defined goals. This is a passage of scripture that my wife had put up on our living room wall. Joshua twenty four fifteen, and if it seem evil unto you, serve to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whom, whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know, and that's that reminder that's on the wall at the house every day. But that's just artwork. It's just artwork if that's not what we do. If that's not our mission. If that doesn't define us and our family. If that doesn't come into account with the choices and the decisions that we make and where we're going to go and not going to go, what we're going to participate in and what we're not going to participate in, then it's just another decoration. It's God's Word. This is Joshua taking his stand and saying, this is where I'm at. This is what we're going to do. You make your choice. You make your decision. But we're going to serve the Lord. And that was his mission statement. That was his clearly defined purpose that had a lasting impact if you study the life of Joshua. The example that he set endured. And it went on past his life. Because he made no question about it, where he was at and what was priority in his life. In 2 Timothy 3, verse number 10, 
Apostle Paul tells Timothy, but thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch and at Iconium and at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. He says, you know what I'm about. You know what I teach. You know what my purpose is. You know my conduct, the way that I live from day to day. You know what I believe, what I'm convicted of, where my confidence is, my patience, my love. Does your family have clearly defined goals? Do your children know what you're all about? Not just because you said it or maybe hung a frame on the wall that says it, but because you talk about it on a daily basis. Because you go to God's Word for instruction, for knowledge and understanding, to teach, to reprove, to encourage, and all of those things. Do you make wise family choices and decisions? Are you going to pursue that better in the future or just go on doing what you've always done? Matthew 6, verse number 33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Does your family know that God's kingdom is the most important thing? That it's going to come first? Do they come and say, Hey, Mom... Hey, Dad, we've got this going on on Sunday. What do you say? Or do they know? Do they know beforehand to go, the church is a priority? That comes first. Paul talked to Timothy and he says, You know my purpose. You know what I teach. You know how I live. You know what I believe. Do our families know that? Do our brothers and sisters in Christ know that? Is that important to us? Is our reputation, our character, our integrity important to us as we make choices and decisions? We need to be good team players and work together. Ecclesiastes 4, verse number 9, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall... The one will lift up his fellow. But woe unto him that's alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. The benefit of being on the same page and working together as a team, whether this be husband or wife, or we extend this on to the entire family, where the children work together, and they see themselves as part of a team that's working toward a common goal that has Christ at the top, that has His kingdom at the top, that what defines them is that faith. It's important to be a team player. And I realize that we're getting into some of the other assigned topics that have been covered, and I won't spend a lot of time here. Ephesians 5.22, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husband as unto the Lord. 5.25, Husbands, love your wives even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Ephesians 6.1, Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. A good team has a good structure. People understand their responsibilities. They take them seriously. 
They know their assignments, where they need to be and when, what's their proper place. And God's clearly laid those out in the family. As we make wise family decisions, take care of your responsibility. Stand in your gap. Do what God's called you to do. Husbands, love. Wives, submit. Children, obey. Be good team players. Work hard. In Proverbs 8, 17, he says, I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently will find me. This is wisdom personified here, or wisdom speaking, if you will. Love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently will find me. If we're going to make wise family choices and decisions, you're going to have to work hard. As you study the writings of the wise man of Solomon, you see laziness or slothfulness essentially equated with foolishness. They're almost synonymous as you go through the book of Proverbs. A lot of fathers think that when they get off work and come home, that it's time to relax and kick your feet up and take it easy. The reality is that if you've got children to raise, the work's just begun a lot of times. You don't have time, you don't have as much time for that as you might think. It's not easy. It's hard work. It's hard work across the board. It's hard for children, it's hard for wives, it's hard for husbands, families. It's a difficult task and it takes hard work. Are we willing to do it? If we're going to be wise, if we're going to make wise family choices and decisions, we're going to have to be working hard. To be diligent. Because we all know what it's like to be tired after a long day's work. And we all know how easy it will be just to set the Scripture aside because it's already past bedtime. Or are we going to push ourselves a little further? Are we going to let our purpose and our manner of life and our faith be known and say, get the Bible. It's time for our study. Gather around. It's time for our prayer. Or our family discussion as we talk about working together as a team or whatever it might be. Or are we just too tired? Because wisdom involves hard work. Proverbs 24.30 I went by the field of a lazy man and by the vineyard of a man devoid of understanding. You see those things go hand in hand. To be lazy is to lack understanding. It's not to understand what's truly valuable. And there it was all overgrown with thorns and its surface was covered with nettles. Its stone wall was broken down. When I saw it, I considered it well. I looked on it and I received instruction. A little sleep a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, so shall your poverty come like a prowler and your need like an armed man. A lot of times, get behind the curve on making wise family choices and decisions. And you see a situation that's just crumbling and tumbling down. And someone says, I just don't understand. I just don't understand what happened. What happened was, 
their poverty came like a prowler and their need like an army and it sprung on them all of a sudden. Never saw it coming, you might say. But the wise could see it coming. The wise started to see it coming when the thorns started growing up and the nettles and the wall began to become dilapidated and in need of repair. Are we going to gain wisdom? Are we going to recognize in our lives when the walls are in need of repair? When it's time to get the trimmer out and cut down some weeds? When it's time to re-align uh, and re-examine uh, the priorities and determine what's important and where we have turned aside, where we have taken a path that was a poor choice and have the strength of character to do something different about it and make some changes. And that's where we uh, see the importance of evaluating where we're at and making these choices and decisions. Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves or test yourselves. Know you not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobates. Are you taking time to look at the choices and the decisions that you're making? To evaluate them and say, is the path that we're going on as a family, whatever stage you might be in that family, a young couple, newly wed, a couple wed many years with many children, a couple with grown children, grandparents, wherever you might be at the scheme, in the scheme of life, where is the path that you're going on right now leading to? And is that where you want to be? Are you taking time to examine that and asking what needs to change? What repairs need to be made to your stone wall? Where do you need to do some trimming? Where do you need to bring the defenses up to par? Recognizing the voices. There's two women. Sounds like I might be starting to tell a joke, I guess. Two women talking. This isn't a joke. This is from the, the writings of Solomon. <clears throat> In Proverbs chapter 9, he says, She hath set, sent forth her maidens. She crieth upon the highest places of the city. Whoso is simple, let him turn in hither. As for him that wanteth understanding, she saith unto him, Come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine which I have mingled. Forsake the foolish and live, and go in the way of understanding. So again, here's wisdom. And she calls out and says, Come sit down and eat with me. Stay with me. Visit with me. Forsake the foolish. Get away from that foolish company. That wicked company. That lazy company. Whatever it might be. And live. And on the other hand, in verse number 14, For she sitteth at the door of her house on a seat in the high places of the city to call to passengers who go right on their ways. Whoso is simple, let him turn in hither. And as for him that wanteth understanding, she saith to him, Stolen waters are sweet. And bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he knoweth not that the dead are there and that her guests are in the depths of hell. 
Wisdom understands that as you travel down life's pathway, that the two women are always calling out. They're always there saying, turn in here. Stop and sit down for a while. Let's enjoy one another's company. And wisdom arms itself with the knowledge that one of those places is where the dead go. One of those places, one of those paths leads to hell. And one of them leads to life. That's the significance. That's when you as a family make choices and decisions and you put things in the balance. Don't make light of that. Don't make light of something as insignificant as buying a car or where you're going to live or what clothes you're, how much you're going to spend on clothes this month or this year or whatever you want to put in that blank. Don't fool yourself into thinking that those aren't important choices and decisions that are going to have an impact as you weigh those things out in the balances. What do you value? What tips the scales? James said a double-minded man's unstable in all his ways. And I found when I have the hardest time making decisions, it's because it seems like those scales are just real evenly balanced. And I've come to understand that it's because I lack the knowledge in those situations to know what it is that tips that balance, to make a choice obvious. And that's where this importance of studying God's Word, of knowing it, of seeking out counsel, of spending time with each other, and as a family, making God's family important to us and our association one with another, that we can encourage and build each other up so that we don't make these wise choices and decisions. Because it affects us, our families, our immediate families, Whatever descendants may come after us, however long this world may continue to turn, there's lasting, reaching impacts. And those are about souls. One side, one voice is calling to life and one to destruction. And so I leave the study with you this morning and the, the, the bullet points that I might hang on my refrigerator, if you will, and, and the little list in my mind is that as a family, we need to study God's Word. As a leader of the family, am I making that a priority? <clears throat> Do I show my family by example that when it's time to make a decision, we're going to go and ask God to guide us and ask for His wisdom as we make the decision? Or am I going to show and teach my children that I'm somebody that values the counsel of those that are called prudent? And that I seek advice and counsel, or do, I, do they view me as someone who thinks he knows everything and doesn't need the advice of others? Do I have clearly defined goals for my family? Does my household know what we're about and where our priorities lie? Am I a good team player? Are you a good team player, whatever role you're in? Do you work hard or are you lazy? And do you consistently evaluate your progress, determine where you're at and where you need to be? Lesson's yours this morning. And I hope that you'll understand the importance of the subject matter. I appreciate the leadership for uh, choosing the topic of study and hope that you'll 
Be encouraged to study those things and make application in your life. Never like to close a service without offering an invitation. It's wise to consider the end of every man. That our life's going to come to an end sooner than we think. And that we're going to stand before God in judgment. Are you ready for that? Have you made your preparations? Have you obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ? Are you where you need to be in your relationship with God? If you're here this morning and you have a spiritual need, you never like to close service without offering an invitation. If we can be of assistance to you in your obedience to the gospel, or if you need the prayers of the church on your behalf, please let that be known behind the seat on one of these front pews while together we stand and sing the song that's been selected.